Welcome back to College Gridiron. We are back. It's playoff week. Now just two days away from the college football playoff. I know we were off last week. We are back from hiatus. My guys are with me, Nick DeLuca, Matt Costantini. They're not here. They're over the phone. Boys, how was how was the how were the holidays for you? They were pretty good, Jimmy. I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, it's weird not being in studio this week, but but I'm enjoying my time home. I hope everyone enjoyed enjoyed their holiday, whatever whatever you guys celebrated. I hope it went well, and and yeah, I'm excited for the for this weekend of games. Nick, holiday holiday was good. I hope everybody else's holiday was good as well. Good to be home with the family. Enjoy. Christmas and everything that that brings and excited for the football coming up. It should be a great week of football and I'm excited to to watch it play out. Well, we do have two good ones hopefully under the tree this Saturday. The two playoff games, the Cotton Bowl at 4 between Clemson and Notre Dame and then the Orange Bowl, the nightcap at 8 between Alabama and Oklahoma. There was some news this week involving Clemson, three of their players including Star Dexter Lawrence, their stud defensive lineman, tested positive for a a banned substance. I believe it's called Osterine, if my memory serves correctly. Uh, It was added to the banned substance list about 10 years ago. Dexter Lawrence basically says he doesn't know how it got there. Uh, He's still waiting on a B test to see if he can play on Saturday. It's not looking too good for him right now. So... I guess we'll start with that. Clemson comes into this game a big favorite against Notre Dame. And, and Matt, I'll start with you. You know, you you were the one who actually brought this to my attention on Christmas Eve because, to be honest, I wasn't really checking Twitter that day. And uh, <laughs> this is this is kind of – this might be a game changer for Clemson. If, if they're without – really, the, the headliner here is Dexter Lawrence. There's a couple other guys who are, might be out as well. But they're without Dexter Lawrence. I think this defense loses something, wouldn't you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is going to be a potential top 10 draft pick, even with this happening to him. And, Jimmy, you're absolutely correct. It changes the entire dynamic of how this game goes. Clemson right now is allowing 92.9 rushing yards. And that's kind of where Notre Dame has been hanging their hat this year with um, Jafar Armstrong and, and everyone else, uh, Dexter Williams. He's been phenomenal this year. And, Without that gigantic body in the middle of that Clemson defensive line, I think Notre Dame might be able to run the ball. Um, you know, I came into this into this week just hoping that Notre Dame put on a good show and they didn't go out and get blown out. If they lost, I just wanted it to be close. Obviously, I hope they win, being a Notre Dame fan. But I don't. I didn't hold much hope. But now, granted, it's only three guys, and a football team is much more than three players. I think they have a legitimate chance of pulling off an upset. Nick, what are you? Dexter Lawrence. Yeah. Go ahead. Dexter Lawrence is a very good player, as you said, a top ten draft pick, most likely. Despite any of this happening, and it's always fuzzy when these things occur because there's always the oh, I have no idea how it got there, how this happened. Is there anything sinister behind the performance enhancing drug use? I don't know. I can't answer that question. But personally, I don't think it will make much of a difference because I'm on the record with how much I value Notre Dame and how much I value Clemson. And it's just to me, it's unfortunate that one of their best players won't be there, that we won't be able to watch him play. But I don't think Dexter Lawrence not being there will make enough of a difference for Notre Dame to be competitive in this game or be able to run the football because I think Clemson on the defensive line and in the front seven is just too deep. 
And I don't think it makes that much of an impact other than it, will it affect his potential eligibility for the championship game? Because I think that's where Clemson's going. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Nick, because I think, yes, this is a, this Clemson front seven is one of the best I've ever seen. You look at guys like Lawrence and Cleland Farrell, et cetera. But the sum of the unit, the strength of those guys, is, it's so much more than just one player. And, yeah, Dexter Lawrence, he's a big body, and don't get me wrong, I think Notre Dame's going to look to run the ball. But ultimately, it's, it's going to make a little bit of a difference, but I don't think it's going to make – a huge difference. I, like you said, I want to see if he's eligible for the title game because if they can't, if they beat Notre Dame and they're going up against, let's say they go up against Alabama again, they're going to need Dexter Lawrence. There's no splitting hairs about that. So I think if he's out for the title game, then you're looking at something really serious. But there's still, it sounds like a chance that he could play on Saturday. So that could be, I think, a big turn here if he's able to play and that psychological boost for Clemson where you plan on not having him in the lineup and then he comes back and that could be something that that really boosts them against Notre Dame and they're they're a 12 and a half point favorite believe it or not and uh, they they're expected to win this game and they've got some pressure on them and hey maybe even having Dexter Lawrence not out there maybe that takes some of the pressure off I'm just trying to think in sort of reverse psychology terms here for Clemson I think maybe it's not going to help them but I, I just don't think it's going to hurt them as much as, as some people may, might think. Like I, like I said, I think Clemson is going to win this game, but I don't think people are giving Notre Dame enough of a chance. I mean, this is a very, very, very good football team. This defense, if you want to believe it or not, is better than the one that went to the national championship game 100%. when they got destroyed yep. by Alabama. Their offense is light years ahead of any offense they've had in the last 10 years. I, I I just think that they need to be talked about as if they have a chance and not as if it's a foregone conclusion that they're just going to get blown out. Maybe they deserve more respect, and they might surprise us. I won't rule that out. But Notre Dame offensively 28th in the country, defensively 21st. Uh, rather, Clemson 4th in the country in both offense and defense. That's why Clemson is such a big favorite. So, uh Maybe they deserve more respect, but the the just collectively, Clemson's a really good team. That's why. So, guys, I think I know which way this is going to go. Matt, you're taking Clemson, correct? Um, my my brain is yelling at me to take Clemson, but how am I going to pick against my boys? I oh. have to pick Notre Dame. All right, Nick, you're Nick. I know you're going with Clemson because of everything you've just said. You know, I was going to pick Notre Dame. Really. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, so fast, I, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a great pick. I'm going to go Clemson by two <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, I think they cover. I think I'm going to go 35 21. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to play a really good game, too. I think I don't think he's the guy who's getting enough, uh, getting enough respect. He's had a really nice year. True freshman quarterback, but you wouldn't be able to tell. All right, let's move Absolutely on to the not. to uh, the other semifinal, Oklahoma Alabama. This is the one I'm more excited for personally, and I think most people would probably agree with me. You've got the top two finishers of the Heisman, Kyler Murray, the winner uh, for Oklahoma, and then Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama. Both of them quarterbacks. They'll be going up against each other in the Cotton Bowl at 1 at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. Alabama is a big favorite, but that's not the appeal of this game. The appeal of this game being and watching both offenses be able to go to work. So we saw the other day, I think it was yesterday actually, Kyler Murray, quote-unquote, under the weather. Read what you will into that. I'm not entirely convinced, but okay. And 
Oklahoma is a team coming in as a big underdog. They got that last spot in the playoffs. So, Nick, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. Do you think this Oklahoma offense could give Alabama the type of issues that it'll probably need to in order to, to win this game? Or do you think Alabama's going to play well enough to, to win it going away? Well, I don't know what's in the water in Oklahoma and Norman out there because Baker Mayfield was sick leading into the semifinal game last year. So I, I guess it's just a coincidence. It's a thing that that happens. I think that Oklahoma can give Alabama's defense problems. I think that they can be widely, wildly successful. I think they have a really the best offense in the country, and you've seen what they have done. But – I don't know that they can make it a problem for Alabama just because they would need to score so much. Alabama is, is a really good defense, too. Tenth in the country. So it's just it's a big-time matchup, and I would favor Oklahoma in that matchup. But they would have to destroy Alabama offense-defense matchup, and I don't think that the disparity between the two units is that great that it would make up for the disparity in the Alabama offense versus Oklahoma defense conversation. So I just don't think that there's enough there to make it a problem for Alabama as the, for the game overall. I mean, obviously the, the biggest story going into this game is how healthy is Tua Tagovailoa going to be. He, he obviously missed out on the second half of the SEC championship game. There hasn't been a lot of talk going on around who's going to start the, the game. I think Nick Saban's been playing it very close to his chest. I, I don't remember seeing anything at all about whether Jalen Hurts is going to get the star or if two is healthy. But, Nick, I'm with you. I think this game can go one of two ways. It's either going to be Oklahoma's offense does show up and they do prove to be a problem against Alabama's defense, and this game turns into a shootout, which I think favors Oklahoma, or it can go the way that I think it's going to go, and Alabama's defense is just so good that even this high-powered Oklahoma Sooners offense won't be able to do anything, and it's going to get real ugly real fast for them, and they're not going to be able to move the ball. Um, but again, that comes down to who's playing quarterback for Alabama, because will Jalen Hurst be able to do what he did in the SEC championship game against Georgia over a full 60-minute game? I mean, he's lost his starting job for a reason. He's not the same guy and he's obviously very limited athletically. So I'm, I'm not sure what, what really is going to happen, but I'll, all I do know is that Alabama should win this game handily. Yeah, Matt, you mentioned the whole quarterback thing with with Alabama. I mean, nobody knows who's really going to play for them. I feel like they could I don't honestly, think it matters. I feel like they could win both ways. I really do. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm didn't, with you. I didn't feel that way last year, but – now the way things have gone, and Mike Loxley has done such a great job with that offense that, you know, to me, I, I just, I I think Alabama, I would go with Alabama either way. It's just a matter of who plays, and, and frankly, too, is Jalen Hurts going to be better than an 80% or a 90% Tua Tagovailoa, and is it worth rolling the dice to have him, not incapacitated, obviously, but a little nicked up and having him play in that game? and then maybe not having him at 100% for the national title game. But I think the matchup to watch, I want to see how this Alabama secondary does. Obviously, Oklahoma, Hollywood Brown, they're going to try to hit some deep balls. And everybody has talked about 
the ability of Kyler Murray to run around and make plays for himself, but people don't give the the Oklahoma offensive line, I think, nearly enough credit because this is one of the best offensive line units to me in the country. You know, the way they're able to, to run the ball and, and they're physical, and they they sort of enable Kyler Murray to do some of that. And I don't think they get nearly enough credit for that just because Oklahoma is regarded as this high-flying offense, which they are, and they go air raid and they throw down the field, and that's all well and good. But I don't think that offensive line gets nearly enough credit. So when I see this Alabama defense, I think they're good. I don't think they're as dominant as maybe they've been in past years, and I think Oklahoma can give them issues, but... Alabama's too good. Uh, I don't know um, who's beating Alabama this year. Yeah, Matt, you had something? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it almost seems silly to say, but the key to this game is going to be whether or not Oklahoma's defense can keep them in this game. Mm. Because if they if they play like how they've played throughout this season and everyone goes, oh, it's Big 12 football. Well, yeah, I mean, it's Big 12 football for a reason. It's high-powered offenses with not very great defenses. And if that stays true in this game, it doesn't matter how many points Oklahoma scores because Alabama will just be marching up and down the field and it won't – I mean, the game could end 60-55, to 55, but it doesn't matter because they can't get a stop. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I've got Alabama winning this one. I think it's going to be – I think this will be the better game. Uh, I think it'll be closer. I think it'll be more competitive. Alabama's just – if there's a team that's going to beat them this year, I have not seen it yet. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm taking the tide. I'm taking the tide. There are two huge There are two huge things to watch for Oklahoma in this game, and I think it is, as you mentioned, Jimmy, the offensive line, because they have been really good so far this year, but at points have struggled against Texas in particular. So to see how they handle that, and then the health of Hollywood Brown, which we did not get to, but there, he did injure himself in the Big 12 title game, and there is question whether or not he will play. He has been pretty good in practice, but to see if the injury affects him, because if, if he's not 100% and Hollywood Brown isn't a factor for Oklahoma, I, I think they have almost no chance of winning this game. If they have any already, Hollywood Brown not being there for them or at 100% would really be a bad thing for Oklahoma. Yeah, I think I think it would hurt, but I also think that Lincoln Riley's just so good schematically that I think they could really find a way, not around that, but they could sort of they could figure out something else. But yeah, no, he's just so talented. He he takes the top off defenses uh, with impunity, and not having him out that that would hurt Oklahoma. But I do feel like Lincoln Riley's going to devise something, whether he's there or he's not there, or he's not a hundred percent that. Maybe he's not the focal point of this game plan anymore, and they'll they'll figure out a way to still put points on the board and and give Bama a run. So, yeah, I would have rather maybe, seen, yeah. but don't but don't forget Nick Saban's on the other sideline either. True. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People forget, but it's it's true. Uh, so yeah, I, I got I got Bama. I would have rather seen Georgia in this game. Full disclosure, but. That's just the world we live in, so I'm going with... You know where I'm at with that. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we, had, we had that discussion a couple of weeks ago. So I'm, we're, all, we're all on Bama, correct? Yes, we are. Yes. All right. So, we got, so we're going on uh, Bama Clemson 4 in Santa Clara for the national title game. Uh, sign me up for that right now. So now let's, let's move on to something slightly different. NFL draft's coming up in pretty much exactly four months from now. Uh, Justin Herbert quarterback at Oregon, thought to be the top QB in this class, is not going to be in this class. He's staying at Oregon for his senior season. Uh, he put that up on Twitter yesterday. 
He he's talked about how there's still things he wants to accomplish in Oregon, whatever. So he's coming back for his senior season. And, and Matt, I'll, I'll start with you on this one because I saw on your Twitter you had some interesting thoughts on this yesterday. Justin Herbert, star quarterback, would have been the number one QB in this class. Instead, he stays at school and he'll be in next year's class, which many people believe, and, and I'm with them, a lot more stacked than, say, this year's crop. Yeah, so let's start with his decision to stay at Oregon before we go into the quarterbacks that he would have gone up against this year compared to next year. There were so many factors that went into him staying for his senior year. He grew up a Duck fan. He grew up wanting to be the starting quarterback for Oregon. His brother is going to be a freshman tight end there next year. They got the number one overall recruit in the ESPN Top 300 for the first time ever. And him staying for another year could only mean that he gets better. So there's a lot to think that they could probably make some noise next year. I mean, obviously this year didn't quite go to plan, but next year's looking up for Oregon in not only in the Pac-12, but maybe they even make a, a playoff run. And then you look at the quarterback that he was going to go up against this year when you say that he was going to be the number one overall quarterback taken. It was going to be him. It's potentially Dwayne Haskins. He hasn't announced whether he's staying or coming out for the draft process yet. Um, and it's guaranteed to be Ryan Finley, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Jarrett Stidham, Will Greer. Those aren't really the highest quality of names besides maybe Will Greer. Um, and then you talk about next year's quarterback class, and they're all underclassmen, but it makes sense for them to come out. It's going to be Tua Tagovailoa. It's going to be Jacob Eason out of Washington, who transferred from Georgia after he lost his job to Jake Fromm, who was also eligible to come out next year. So when you're looking at those three guys plus Justin Herbert and then maybe also Dwayne Haskins, that is a – that's a better quarterback class than we saw this past year with Darnold Rosen and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. So did he do himself a disservice by staying? Yeah, probably. But I can't really fault him for wanting to stay and accomplish something that he's dreamt about since he was a kid. I think it's a surprising move in the day and age where you have Nick Bosa, Ed Oliver, Will Greer sitting out bowl games to prepare themselves for the NFL draft, and in Bosa's case, almost half the year. And you have yet a quarterback who is likely a top-five pick, and if a team would be willing, it looks like Arizona will have the number one pick, so if Arizona would have been willing to trade that pick, would have been the number one pick, or or could have been conceivably, uh, deciding to stay in college. And, and that, to me, is, is very surprising. And it reminds me of Buffalo Bills quarterback Matt Barkley, quite frankly, who was a standout quarterback at USC through his first three years and played really well and was about to come out or, or considered coming out, playing for Lane Kiffin at the time at USC and would have been a top, certainly a first-round draft pick, probably a top-ten pick. And he goes back to USC, his senior season goes terribly, and he separates his shoulder with an injury in 2010, and that ends up a fourth-round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. So, look, I'm not going to fault him for doing what he wants. It's a free country. He can do as he pleases, and if he desires to stay at Oregon, that's fine. 
But I would just, if I were advising quarterbacks on whether to stay or whether to go, I don't understand how another year at Oregon will improve his draft stock. So maybe he needs another year to get ready. But I think that getting ready is is better and is easier when you're already in the NFL than making the transition. I don't know how much another year in college helps you is what I'm getting at. So for me, I think your draft stock can only decrease from here. You're risking injury. You're risking poor performance, whatever it is. My opinion, my experience says he should have come out, especially with the lack of quarterback talent around him. He's certainly going to be a top 10 pick. I just, if it were me, I would have done it, but that's, it's not me. So, so, so here's what I think about this. And I'll start with this caveat. You know, I'm never going to kill a guy for coming back to, to school to get his degree, play an extra year. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I, I have, I don't fault Justin Herbert per se for saying, Hey, I want to come back. Win, win the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is so bad anyway. They, Heck, they might run the table. I mean, who knows? The Pac-12 is so <laughs> bad. But we had this discussion this time last year about Sam Darnold, about how he, he looked really bad at USC last year, really bad. And we said, I, I was at the forefront. I said he's got to go back to school because he looks so yep. terrible. I would never take this guy in a million years right now. Of course, he winds up on my team because that's just the, the luck of, <laughs> of how things happen. But now, I mean, if you look at Sam Darnold, he looks amazing. You know, this last month of the season, he looks like he could be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. He's 21 years old. He's only getting better. And that time in the pro game has helped him so much because he's seeing NFL defenses. He's seeing stuff he didn't see at USC. And you could see throughout the season the improvement in Sam Darnold, whereas now this three-game stretch, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And I just think for Justin Herbert, that would have helped him really a lot because yes this is a defensive laden draft the first probably five or six picks maybe not five or six but i'd say at least the top three or four are going to be defense you got you look at guys like oliver and bosa etc all clell and farrell too all those guys are going to get taken to the top three or four but i guarantee you one of these teams whether it's in the top five or outside the top five would have seduced themselves into taking a quarterback and we saw with Mitchell Trubisky a, a couple years ago. Somebody would trade up for Justin Herbert. I, I don't think there's were, any doubt about that. How were Jake Locker and Christian Ponder first-round picks? Exactly. People need exactly. Blaine Under Gabbert. Yeah, Blaine Gabbert. I mean, there's so many so many guys like that where you say, no, he's, he's not a first-round talent, but teams need quarterbacks. So I think somebody would have taken Justin Herbert. And I don't know. I just think you could go back and get your degree whatever you want. But I don't think that money that's sitting there in the first five or ten picks of the NFL draft is something that is necessarily wise to pass up on when the opportunity is there. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, teams like Jacksonville or the Giants or the Broncos, maybe even the Raiders, depending on what they want to do with Derek Carr, they all probably could could have convinced themselves to trade up and take Justin Herbert, but Jimmy, I'm with you. I don't see a pro- I mean, I don't see a problem with him going back to Oregon, especially for all the reasons I listed. But Nick Herbert also have a really good point. I mean, there's millions of dollars on the line, and what happens if he if he blows out his ACL or he needs some type of arm surgery where he ends up dropping the 
be a fifth or sixth round pick, maybe not even drafted at all, or God forbid a career ending injury happened. Um, so it's definitely risky, but he he obviously made the choice that he, his family, um, probably the Oregon football team, all felt was the right decision for him, and, and more power to him. So success is a loose term to describe an NFL quarterback as successful, but for quarterbacks in the last decade, decade and a half or so, the success rate for Again, that in quotes because it's a loose term. For first-round quarterbacks, is around 40%, right? So odds are he's going to fail. You know, and, I, and I, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. That's just the nature of the game, and I'm not rooting against Justin Herbert. I'm not saying he will. He may be an excellent quarterback. We, there's just no way to know. But if he does fail, and if he does fail regardless, right, wherever he's picked, or maybe he's not that good, maybe teams are overvaluing him based upon what he's done in college, it would behoove him to be as high a draft pick as possible to collect the money that he would get as opposed to if he goes back, people realize he's not that good and he's only a second-round pick next year, well, you could have been a first-round pick the year before. That's just my opinion. Again, I won't fault him for getting his degree either because it's his decision, whatever he feels is best for him. I just think, really, it's, it's striking that he is choosing to go this route in an age where there are a lot of people choosing to go to the extreme other way. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, it might work out for him. I just think there's, there's only 32 people who get to say they're an NFL starting quarterback, and Justin Herbert had a golden opportunity to be one of those people. But we'll see how it turns out for him. Next year, I hope it works out because he's a really good quarterback and he, he seems like a good kid and he's really fun to watch. So we'll see how this develops at Oregon. But got a few minutes left here. Guys, wanted to do something maybe a little different. All the other New Year's Six Bowls, we obviously touched on the playoff, but we got Florida, Michigan in the uh, Peach Bowl. We've got LSU and UCF in the Fiesta Bowl, Washington, Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, Texas and Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. That's the last New Year's Six Bowl on New Year's Day. So. I'll go around, and if there's one thing you guys are looking for, maybe in some of these other bowl games, if there's one thing that you guys are excited for, instead of maybe just going through all the games because we don't have a ton of time, if there's one main thing that you guys are excited to see in those other games, what would it be? And I'll start with Nick on this one. Well, I think it has to be UCF-LSU. Can UCF compete once again with the big guys, especially with the backup quarterback in the absence of Mackenzie Milton? I think if UCF were to be competitive in this game and, dare I say, even win it, I think that is extremely compelling, and the committee has to put it in their minds, in, in the back of their minds, even going into next year. Hey, if UCF has, a, has another undefeated season, they're going on, say, three years undefeated, or even if they were to play LSU closely and lose and then go forward next year and be undefeated and be in the conversation for the playoff once again, I think it has to be in the minds of the committee that, hey, they just beat Auburn, a team that beat Alabama last year, and then they're competing with LSU, who was a really good team and a solid team that, for one reason or another, wasn't able to be there at the end, just really due to schedule. They played a lot of good teams, but a team that beat Georgia by by a, a good margin. So if UCF can compete with a, a big-time program like LSU, I think that would be extremely interesting going into next year. Yeah, it's- that's, that's definitely something I'm looking for. I'm also looking at this Georgia-Texas game, and 
I'm, I'm interested to see how Georgia approaches this game. They could either go at it the way that maybe Auburn went about it last year against UCS and said, oh, we had a chance to make the playoff and be SEC champion, and, and we didn't, and we're just in this bowl game now. So so maybe, maybe they're not going to be as competitive as they would have liked. Or they could go the route of, wow, we really should have been in the playoff. We're going to go out there and make a statement and just absolutely demolish Texas, which is probably the way it's going to be. Kirby Smart seems like that kind of guy. He, he's very competitive. He wants to always see his team play at the highest possible level. And I just, I'm just going to feel really bad for Texas in that game. I think the one thing that's amazing that I just wanted to touch on really quickly that doesn't have to do with any game in particular is how Florida finessed their way into the Peach Bowl when you had teams like LSU and Kentucky who were up there all year and then Florida really didn't play anyone and they just sort of coasted along and now they're the 10th-ranked team in the country going up against Michigan. Hey, good for them. Great first year for Dan Mullen. Don't get me wrong, but man. That's pretty wild. Uh, the thing I'm looking for is that Washington-Ohio State game. Uh, Urban Meyer's last game, at least for the next year or so, until he inevitably comes back because I don't think he's fully retired. Uh, I want to see how Ooh. Ohio State comes out of that one. I think they're going to come out and play really hard for their guy, and I think uh, I think they're going to put a hurting on Washington. I, I don't feel good for the Huskies in that one, given how bad the Pac-12 was this year. Washington's ranked ninth. I don't think they're the ninth-best team in the country, and I don't think it's particularly close, so... I think Ohio State, yeah. Can we talk about how Urban Meyer is about to teach a class at Ohio State about character and leadership? <sighs> yeah. So uh, if, you're at, <laughs> if you're at Ohio State, just, just don't, don't, don't take it. But, but people yeah, will. J- Jimmy, I was going to say that I, I was going to agree with you that he may be coaching next year, but he may be preoccupied grading papers. Yeah, because I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to spend a lot of time doing that. Cause, you know, you know yeah. in all seriousness, though, him becoming the assistant athletic director and teaching the class, he seems more committed to staying at Ohio State and being involved there than I previously thought. I don't know that he's going to go back to coaching as quickly as you think in light of those recent announcements. Maybe. Uh, we'll see. I'm just not convinced that he he could give it up. It's like... It's like people who either are drug addicts or alcoholics, and they try to just give it up, and, and they they have such a hard time doing it. And sometimes they do, but like that itch is just gonna. It's it's like a drug. It, he's he's gonna go back on the sideline, and he's gonna feel that again. I'll just give you one more game that I'm interested in, and it's at the same time as that LSU UCF game. It's on New Year's Day, Kentucky Penn State. I think that I think that's gonna be an interesting game, even if it's not particularly good. Uh, you guys know I had such a soft spot for Kentucky all season. <laughs> they had such a great year, and uh, I, I'd like to see them win that one. Uh, I know it's the Citrus Bowl, and I know it's not a huge deal, but I, I would like to see them go out with a victory in that one. But, guys, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you all for coming on, and, and uh, enjoy your New Year's festivities, will you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I hope uh, I hope you guys have a safe New Year's Eve and a, and a very nice New Year's Day watching these great football games. You guys enjoy the new year as well. I'm really excited to see how this goes down, and we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. That was Matt Costantini, Nick DeLuca. I'm Jimmy Sullivan saying so long for College Gridiron. Thank you so much for listening. Please enjoy this weekend's games, the two big ones in the playoff. Also, four other good ones comprising the rest of the New Year's Six. For the rest of the guys, I'm Jimmy Sullivan saying so long, and thanks again for listening. 